This week's episode of Walleye Talk is brought to you in part by Muskie House Marine. They are a warrior dealer. They are a premier pontoon dealer. They are a port dock dealer. And the place is full of good people who know what they're doing. If you have any marine service, stop in at the Muskie House Marine in Longville, Minnesota. It is less than one month away. It feels like it's dragging right now, though, doesn't it? Yeah. we. I mean, we've been in this kind of limbo for a while it'd be different if it was nice out yeah i agree uh it's like this is the downside to early ice out though this is the downside to nice a super nice march in early april is it can't hold up right you're gonna get you're gonna get catches up this is just april weather Mm -hmm. but we're just itching to be doing lots of fun stuff uh you don't miss a day of ice fishing in like late March, early April no. when the weather's coming. You're like, yeah, I mean, this happens all the time. I'll do some indoor stuff. When the lakes are open, though, like, you know it could be 70 degrees and you could be doing a bunch of fun stuff. Baby Natalie's even upset. <laughs> it snowed each of the last like five days. Yeah. I mean, nothing's really stuck, but no. it's just what has happened. Yeah. I think this is a, there's a great, uh, well, talking to people from Iowa and from southern Minnesota, you're they're way ahead of where we are every year, you know. Right. And usually that's like most noticeable with open water and like mm-hmm. anything turning green. Now everybody's got open water. But I talked to my buddy Lee today, and he'd already mowed. He he mowed last week, and I shoveled last week. <laughs> like that's that's not a discrepancy that we should we should be lining up. That's not fair at all. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but we're, you're right. The point is we're less than a month away. And with things staying cooler, I mean, it's with having a cooler spring like this, it's only catching us up to normal. Yeah. Yep. Right. So the way it sits right now with water temperatures the way they are, we're basically at ice off. Right. Mm-hmm. I did, yeah, when I fished, I fished a couple days last week, and the warmest I saw was 44 degrees, and most of the lake was 42, 43 degrees. You have to imagine that dropped a couple degrees over the last three or four days. Right. So you're right. I don't think it's much different. Right. This would be like a normal ice out date. It's April 20-something today. 21st, 2nd, 3rd. This would be right in the standard, and temps would be creeping up real quick. Right after ice was out, so I think you're right. This is while I talk, by the way. I'm Dan. I'm Will. The one thing that's going to be nice, too, is our, I'm sure the walleyes have spawned. Uh, have mostly spawned. Sure. You know, or at least are in the process. We're going to have a great distance from spawn to opener. Yeah, I agree. We talked about that. It's, maybe we didn't, but I I for sure prefer that. I don't... I, um, I was talking with another guy. I was talking with Dan Barfnick about this, a guy who listens to the show. Um, how it's fun to think you can line up like, okay, they sp- I think they spawned six to ten days ago, right? Where'd they go? Where'd they go to, right? And then you go and catch them like, yeah, I figured it out. This is where they went to. But it's much better to just have it that whole part of their, like, it's done. It's done. Right. You just got to go find walleyes and try to catch them. You're now. just on spring fishing now. Yep. Which is more driven by bait and wind direction. Wind direction yeah. and things you can. Uh, yeah, I just think it's a easily a good, pick up. Yeah, it's a good variable to just remove, and I think that's where we'll be. Mm-hmm. 
this episode, we're going to do a little bit of a recap as to what's happening in the Longville area with the fishing world. Newsflash. We've got more jigging info. <laughs> yeah, sorry if sorry if last week was a was a dud for you, but it doesn't sound like it was for for most people I talked to, and we didn't even scratch the surface, so we're going to do more jigging stuff. This could stuff. be like a month long. <laughs> like, gear up. Put your put your jigging belt on. Right. It's happening. And then we've got a new segment called uh, Walleye Groundhog Day. And then uh, I think that's going to be it, because I'm sure we're going to talk. We're going to go off on the jigs. A little bit A little bit jigging. on the jigs. A little bit about jigging here. <laughs> Let's hear from Portadoc. Having fun in the sun on the lake all day long. Porta-doc.com. Porta-doc.com. Find your local Porta-doc dealer today. Porta-doc.com. What's happening here, Dan? I feel like the spring is a great reminder that I don't know enough about stuff. That's a great way to lead off a segment. Just got a text message from my buddy Jim Schultz. He asked me what temperature pike spawn at. I don't know that. Super cold, like 40 degrees, 40 to 42. I figured it almost had to be more photo-driven because it often happens, it can happen under the ice. Right. So that's 39 degrees at the warmest. So I don't know that. But most experts say uh, plus one degree. (laughs) Okay, plus one. (laughs) Also, I was talking about springtime perch fishing a couple episodes ago. And mentioned how it's great that they're post-spawn. They're not post-spawn. They're super fat. Yeah. Right now. Super spawny. Very, very spawny. Yeah. So. Are, are you finding them? Like, did you find your perch really shallow? There were perch really shallow, but there were a bunch of, like, there were too many perch really shallow, which meant that there were lots of little fish. Too much sorting. Yeah. Too much sorting. So I went back to... I just found a whole pile of bait in like 10 to 12 feet of water. And I couldn't Relatively close. Yeah. Yeah. Like I assume where I started was pretty premier spawning habitat for them. Although I don't really know that either. (laughs) And and then where I just like was not that far away near deep water, near bait. And then uh, there were fish in the bait. There nice. was so much bait that I couldn't see fish. Really? Yeah. What kind of bait was it? Little, little perch. perch. Yeah. Judging by what the big perch were spitting up, it was little perch. Really? Yeah. Neat. So yeah, I don't know that either. You know them stupid perch, if they'd stop eating little perch, there'd be more perch. <laughs> stupid perch. Brings up a great... This is a great segue. So we are both... And you, you're... Uh, you're with the panfish, right? We... Doesn't it's not even just with panfish. We've got some principles about what type of fish, what size fish we keep, mm-hmm. what size fish we let go, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that you made a point, and I very much got on board that it's probably more important for panfish because they're not a species that the DNR necessarily like. Not that they don't look after them, but they're not stocking bluegills and crappies anywhere. Right. Nor do they need to, but right. uh, they're the ones that like maybe we should be taking care of. Mm-hmm. personally trying to like make it make a lesser impact on our on our uh, lakes by selective harvest dude there is not a perch that has gotten pardoned for being a good breeder ever on my part no Never. i've maybe thrown back i specifically remember one perch i threw back 
in my entire life because I was like, well, no, two of them because one was really big and really gross, right? So that <laughs> sure. wasn't like the size problem. Sure. It was just like, yeah, this uh, thing's got like a big wart on it. Right. I'm not going to eat this thing. Right. But it was super big. And then one of them was one of my biggest ones I've ever caught. And I was like, man, I'm going to I'm gonna throw this back. And I instantly regretted it. Because you wanted to eat it. I just want to eat it so bad. Yeah. So I don't know the answer to this, but maybe there is like, maybe that is something in the future. Do you pardon a 12 plus? How do you do it? I don't know. They look so delicious. I can smell them <laughs> when I set the hook. I'm like, ooh, ooh. Sure, I'm screaming, sure, lunch. But honestly, um, I do think that they're a species. Of, they're, they should be a species of concern, maybe more so than bluegills and crappies. Without question. Especially with, with, a, with warming lakes for the next decades, right? Mm-hmm. Like, bluegills and crappies are going to do just fine. Right. Perch are maybe not. And I know, like, if you talk to the old timers, they don't talk about the good old days of catching a bunch of bluegills. They talk about the good old days of catching a bunch of perch. perch. On, on our lakes. Right. And on just about all of them. Right. And that's not the case anymore you talk to some of these guys and it's only within recent years that this has become a problem and it was it's been a statewide problem right so when the when the winnie kind of fell and leech you know had the cormorant problem people went to these smaller lakes and realized hey i can keep perch out here Mm -hmm. and it's what people did it's what they felt they had to do and it it's the same thing as like when red when red's crappie boom right Right. All these little lakes got pounded sure. because those populations had enough time. You know, the, the technology wasn't there to really have people really succeed. Um, on the little ones. On the mean. little ones. Sure. Now, you know, we're getting... The, and then once that crappie boom ended, everyone had Vexlar. Everyone had this. Everyone had that. Um, people stopped having the mentality, oh, they're not biting today. Sure. So it really impacted the panfish populations. Interesting. So, and it's the same kind of deal that happened in that relative time frame. Hmm. From what I've come up with. Because I would, I would pick, if you asked me to try to catch like a bunch of keeper perch, like leech would be, uh, there's like three or four lakes I would even, that I would, would even make the list. After those three or four out of the like 12 I fish regularly, yeah. that means eight of them I'd be like, no. I don't have any idea what I would do to try to catch a bunch of keeper perch. They're like, on those other eight, it's only a forage base. And, and I, you know, it could be a big blind spot for me, and I, maybe there's a bunch of people, or not a bunch of people, but there are people on the lakes that catch good numbers of keepers, but I don't think that's the case. And, yeah, it's just like with, you know, any, like, let's just take pike, for instance. Like, there's not a lot of lakes that are going to grow a giant pike, but every lake has pike in them. Right. It's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, like, I don't think that those lakes probably had... There's a couple of lakes where there's glimmers of hope, right, that used to be, a, you know, really good perch lakes that are showing hope. But there's lakes that have never been a real good perch lake that aren't going to be good perch lakes. Right, sure. Because the, you know, the, the spawning habitat's wrong. The potential's just not there. Just because that species isn't there doesn't mean there's going to be a giant. Yeah, yep. A state record doesn't live in every lake. Right. 
And I know like a very common adaptation that perch as a species make is that they sexually mature at a smaller size. Mm -hmm. And so like the lake I grew up on, like why I am familiar with Longville is a 40 acre lake, Heffron Lake, just south of Longville. And those fish you couldn't find, I don't think you could find a perch over four inches in that lake, but there are a lot of perch out there. They just like mature, reproduce, and like the genetics that lead to little ones are what, that's like, that's the fish in the lake. So anyway, yeah, I went perch fishing a couple times on a couple real nice days. And, uh, once on your birthday, once on my birthday, I was real happy. Things went well? Things went, yeah, they went great. What did you use to catch them? Uh, all right. Jigging them in all to start. Nice. Then. Then he found them. Yeah. Then I caught one on a three-inch Kitech Easy Shiner. Ooh! Now, then, this happened last year to me, too, that, uh, like, I was, we talked about it. It's nice to, like, drift fish, right? Uh-huh. And that, or cast a, cast a plastic in right. But the... the the way I caught most of them was finding them and hovering them, even though I was only 10 feet of water and fishing them vertically. Really? With a jig and a minnow? No. With a freaking paddle tail, which didn't make any sense to me at all. You... I was just like twitching the paddle tail down there, right? And and that was also a far better way to catch big ones. Really? Ten just because they wanted it slower? I have no idea. And it bugged me so much that I went and bought some fork tails and twitch tails because I was like, this is bugging me that they are... Eating a paddle tail vertical. Yeah. yeah. And did that work? It did. Not as well. Not as well. What the heck? I don't know. And it could have been, you know, those are only... Those are two days of, of, of fishing, so two different experiences. But the, the fork tail worked... There was a little while where the fork tail was working really well, but... It sounds like fun. Though. It was. There were some other. Nice were, yeah, I I was especially because I was I had a couple meals in mind. One meal the first day, one meal the second day, nice. so I could be selective, and I ended up with some real nice ones that maybe in a couple years I'll throw all of those back. <laughs> <laughs> they're so nice. they're big enough to make you start thinking about it. Yeah, especially this. They're like they're full of eggs, man. Right. And they're big, which they're means so that... so delicious. Really Every delicious. bite, I bet. Yeah. Dude, my kid ate. He ate a perch and a half in one sitting. Graham did? Yeah. Just wow. mowing them. So good. So good. So that, yeah, and I mentioned water temps were anywhere between 42 and 44 degrees. And lake level seemed, I don't know, f- fine-ish. Was the dock in at the access? No. Nope, and that was, the 18th was the last day of fish, and it was not in. Um, I don't know when that'll go in. You know, they, in that's due a, time. In due time. So that that's all I know. You, What's the turkey report up here? Uh, quite a few birds, but they're still flocked up with, like, other boys. Mm. Uh, a lot of jakes hanging with toms, then mm. a lot of toms with hens. Not super chit-chatty. I don't know if when it was raining is when they were dispersing and would have been finding hens. But it's put it put everything on pause. Right. Seven days of rain. Yeah. Um, but I had one goblin. I, I was doing some outdoor work. I had one goblin by the house here. And uh, I got it to gobble like six times. Nice. 
is pretty sweet. On my drive to the lake on my birthday, there was a Tom with a very receptive hen right on the road. And another car split him up before I got there. And then just as I got that there... That must have been a sad Tom. Well, no, just as I got there, the hen just bolted towards him. Really? Yeah, she wanted to be where he was. And then I... Good for him. I, I uh, stopped the truck and clucked at him a couple of times. And he turned and I swear he looked me right in the eye and gobbled at me. <laughs> Our buddy Steve... Has a very wonderful story about his wife turkey. Him oh and yeah, his wife turkey hunting. It's very worth a phone call. All right, I want to hear that. It's. I saw pictures of it. It's really good. It's really good in the worst way. <laughs> and like every mistake you can make. I won't ruin it for you, Dan. All right. How many? How many empty shells at the end just, of the story? Just one incredible shell. Hmm. Okay. In a very wrong situation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I've never been more impressed. So, well. well, we better come up with a game plan for this whole back to jigging thing. Okay. And then we'll unleash fury. <laughs> <laughs> this ad is brought to you by the One Stop in Longville. The One Stop in Longville just received a shipment of Fenwick rods and fluke reels, which are going on sale May 1st. It's a deal so good. It can't even be advertised. <laughs> so, if you want in on this sick deal, you better stop in. How we, do we... we left off the jigging stuff On with Pelican like Island. approaching, like big, big picture, huh? right? And we talked a little bit about the details, but we talked about big picture before the bite. You know, like how to approach. Structure, pitching, jigging. Drifting. Drifting. Now I feel like we got to go into... What happens? What happens? Like the fun parts. How does it work? Tell me about the fun parts. Well, so you're out there. You're out there and you're jigging, right? And you're just jigging. And then you get a bite and you go, oh, oh, oh. And then, and then you give her the biscuits. And then you got yourself... A nice walleye, if and what I to, always say, over the rail and in the pail, Sonny. <laughs> if you were to actually break down what you said, like, you could probably figure out how to do, like, your approach to jigging. Oh, yeah. It's very easy. Okay. Step one. It's not that easy. <laughs> so... We want jig cadence. We want Let's to do jig cadence. Yeah, go jig ahead. Cadence. Do your jig cadence. I've got. Talk. We talked a little bit about like jigging frequently is important for keeping jigs out of the rocks, but that's about all we said. And that doesn't only just work for rocks; it also applies to care grass, um, and really any debris that's on the bottom, right? So really, the safe zone where you can work it really slow is like a gravelly area. Um, Okay, this is... I've got one jig cadence, really, and I stick to it. And it's... You can call it what you want, but it's... We've always called it whip jigging. Okay? It's a good description. So... It's passed down through generations, too. Like, I watch Brad Neuer, and I'm like, oh, that I've seen... I can identify Brad Neuer by his jig stroke. It's no mystery it's where same. I've got it. Right. So... It involves running everything on a slack line. 
And a big reason I continue to run monofilament is because of how aggressive this jig cadence can be and the amount of feel you need to eliminate, right? You can't have all the feel in the world. Otherwise, you're going to do two things. You're going to over, overwork the jig and you're going to, when you... That's, dis- related, that's related to stretch. Correct. Right. And then when you do get bit, that fish is going to identify you as not a minnow or not a bait fish. Because you jig and, into them a lot. Right. And you are, everything you feel, that fish feels. And it, you know, with its mouth hole. Sadness. Well. <laughs> Overwhelming sadness. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> okay, this involves running everything on a slack monofilament. Yeah, you gotta line. focus on the slack line thing. That's the part I think that people could learn something from. Okay, so I which don't... Mo- which direction does your rod tip at the beginning of your jig stroke, which direction does your rod tip move? Down. It moves down. Immediately. And it's a very drastic down because you want to drop it. Um, and then... All I do is I fairly aggressively pick that jig up until I touch the jig. I don't want to pull it an inch. I don't want to pull it two inches. I want to touch it and go back down. But I want to touch it with some speed so that jig pops. Right? It's going to just jump off the bottom. And then it's going to immediately go back down. And when it, after I pop it, I'm going to go right back down. Um, and you repeat that over and over again. And that's what why they call it a whip jig because you're essentially whipping your line around in order to touch that. Um, so it's very important if you're going to try to do this that people are going to think you look stupid. But when you crush them, they're going to be like, wow, that stupid guy is catching a lot of fish. And then they won't look so stupid anymore. Because right. it's working. I'm trying to think. I think... Uh... It's a nice mental exercise to try to figure out what's actually happening with your bait at the bottom of the lake, right? I think so. I think yeah. it's sort of interesting. And you do it, be- you must do it because you're able to explain it. So, like, the first thing that I want to, like, highlight in your jig cadence is that you're dropping the rod tip towards your jig to mm-hmm. start. Like, that's the start of the jig cadence, which is, like, you know, whip jigging, you do it where you're constantly moving. Right. But even if you were to do a slower cadence like mine, mm-hmm. it still shares that characteristic. Without question. Where you're dropping your jig. So, like, y- your jig is at a certain level in the water column, and the first motion is to drop it and then whip it off the bottom, essentially. Like, you're getting it to jump off of the bottom. I think that's, like, an important thing to people for people to try to... F- figure out because like my least favorite jig stroke that i see is like jigs on a tight line and they're gonna move it towards their move it move their rod tip away from the jig uh-huh. right so you're just like pulling dark, it you're just pulling it and that's a pretty unnatural movement i think when i picture what that looks like almost like it's at a if it's in the water column sitting there looking pretty good maybe to a walleye and all of a sudden it just like darts Three feet away. Three feet away. Yeah, and then it falls flat. Right. Um, one thing I think that that 
constant motion does is it's so especially the way that you're trying that you describe it right where you're you're pulling it a very quick action is you're 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 coming up very quickly and down very quickly so your 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 vertical motion is greater than your lateral motion with a whip with a whip even with your jig cadence oh for sure which means so like with a with a walleye with any fish the more that bait stays in front of them the better off they'll be and the, the, and you'll have a longer vertical strike zone than you'll ever imagine so even if you have your vertical strike zone is going to be greater than your lateral strike zone so you're just trying to keep it in that bite area longer by doing these shorter cadences. Sure. Does that make I, any sense? I think so. I think what you're essentially getting on, and that's like the importance of slack line a lot. Like mm-hmm. the, in like the whipping, if you, and that, I think that'll be a word that people can like relate to, is like lots of slack line. That's all you're doing is moving slack line. Right. With like little points of contact at the, at either no, just at one end. At one end. At one end, there's little points of contact where you like reconnect with your jig and you're flipping that up. Mm-hmm. And I very often will have like a like an ooh sound when I get a bite because you often jig into their face. I put it. I jig right into their mouth, <laughs> right? So uh, that you will never feel the bite when you are rip jigging. All you'll feel. Are you saying you rip, you're rip jigging? Whip, whip, whip jigging and rip jigging, you're going to call it the same thing? It's the same thing. Okay. Just wanting to clarify. I didn't know I said something different. Didn't you say whip jigging? Uh, originally, yes. Did I say rip jigging you later? You said rip jigging. It's the same now. shit. Okay. <laughs> um, because you're running everything on a slack line, you're never going to feel that grabbing it. The, gra- the, the act of that fish picking that minnow off of the bottom. It's just going to be different it's going to be weight or lack of weight the point well yeah probably more often than not is like your point of contact with your jig feels different like the the whip in your jig stroke is not it doesn't feel the same it just like stops there and that's where you make that goofy noise (laughs) i get pretty excited when i hear you make that noise actually (laughs) it's a good it's a good feeling (laughs) it's a very good feeling mine is Ours share the same characteristics, I would say, but I do it in like two, I do like two pulses. Mm -hmm. So I do like two whips and I pause and just repeat that over and over again. Right. And I get bit on the pause quite often. So I do feel the like thump quite often. Do you run your pause on a, on a uh, tight line? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, like, like if it's a bump, bump. Like I go bump, bump, pause, like that, maybe it's not like right away, but like the pause, you reconnect with your jig again, right? Right. So like, I think it's like flip, 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 flip in the pause, you're like falling on semi slack line or you have some contact with your jig at some point before it either settles to bottom or settles to wherever your like, you know, relationship with the bottom is and then repeating that. So I feel I feel the bite fairly often, I would say. And one thing I would like to touch on too is if I am when I'm jigging, 
if my jig stroke outruns my boat, I don't, unless I'm pitching, I do not wind in. I'll let the boat carry me to catch up, allowing myself to have a longer pause. One more time. So if I'm drifting mm-hmm. and my jig cadence, if I'm bumping my jig faster than the boat is moving, carrying us, I won't just keep winding it in. A lot of times I'll let it stay out there, let the boat travel to tighten my lineup to start mm-hmm. my cadence over again. Um, and I have a lot more success with that than forcing it to come to me. Interesting. But sometimes you need speed. But most, a lot of times I'll do that. Sure. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting stuff. Riveting. Oh, I'm getting pretty excited. And when you're um, with your cadence, well, I'm going to just flat out say that. I know what you do when there's high fish, when mm. there's fish elevated. I want you to tell people what you do when you see fish elevated. All right. that That's like... It's per- 2.0 stuff, for sure. Sure. <laughs> you don't mean the spot. Definitely not the spot. All right. That's not a... that You're not... All right. Good. Uh, and this is like... I feel like it's pretty much early to mid-June when this happens. When I would maybe be... Like, when rigging a leech and jigging a minnow can happen in the same day you can catch fish on like what i would consider lindy rigging structure on leech lake with a jig and a minnow and it's mostly vertically fishing and the fish are just like up off the bottom a little bit and i've i've had some success vertically fishing them and like really flipping the jig off the bottom so like you're maybe moving the jig four feet off the bottom three or four feet off the bottom and then letting it fall on slack line, which is a far more dramatic, like, uh, vertical movement for that bait than I would normally do. But I've had I've had a few days where that was the key, and that bite is like way different because it's similar to, well, you can get them with a jig with a jig wrap like this, where like you're flipping that bait up, and then the the slack just never comes out of your line Mm -hmm. right and like that's because a fish is eating that minnow that's pretty cool that's pretty like i hope it's not super rare it didn't like i don't have any memory of that working last year um not that it i don't have any memory of like even trying it last year but like if you have high fish like what do you do to catch high fish get it up there to bait up to the high fish right and uh I just thought it was a very interesting experience. Yeah, I have one day, which is like four or five years old now, but I have one day where that sticks out that, like, that was, for sure, it made, that's all all they wanted to do, is they wanted to catch jigs. And you had to, like, flip them way up off the bottom and let them fall on slack line. That was, like, it. But that's only one day. So I'm, like, losing confidence a little bit in it. Like, it worked that one day. Hopefully it's a thing that I'll be able to repeat I like it a lot. It's, it's crafty. fun when it happens. It's crafty as heck. Well. Do we want to take a pause and then, re- I mean, come
come back to one this one more time? Sure. Cool. We're happy to say that Full Stringer Bait and Tackle is sponsoring Walleye Talk once again this year. Uh, Full Stringer is set to open on May 1st, 2021. Stop in, check them out, and if any of you out there are looking for a part-time job, call John or Lacey. They're looking for some help through the month of May. All right, we'll wrap it up. If you're getting sick of it, all we're going to talk through now is how to catch them. The best part of all of it. Mm -hmm. So With monofilament, this is the big thing, and I actually just heard this reconfirmed from a guy named Toby... Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I've heard of Toby blah, blah, blah. All right. Just, I think his name is Cavalog or Cavalog. He's a very, very good walleye fisherman. Mm-hmm. Very good fisherman in general. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for him as a, as a guide and as a tournament fisherman. And he just, I just was seeing something where he was saying mono, 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 um, as much as he can. And he described it as mono gives your bait more freedom. That, that's how he described it. And I think we've talked about the same concept or ideas behind why we use mono. But And we did it first. We did it first. <laughs> uh, I, it, it confirmed to me that, like, okay, this is another smart dude who's caught a bunch of walleyes, who's been guiding for twice as long as I have, who's still, I don't know how old he is, but I do think he's been guiding close to 20 years, and he's still... A mono guy. When it comes to, like, the hook set side of things, this is where it, like, can pay off a lot, I think. Like, you get way more time than people realize to recognize that there's a fish on there. For sure. And, and, you get to put the bricks to it. <laughs> you just censored yourself. <laughs> yeah. Your mouth wanted to move. That's it's that's a real fun part of it, and especially in the fall, man. Like last fall, that was like big fish, big fish, and you, that that stretch is great for you. Um, but you do need to drive a hook home, and mm-hmm. you've got forty or fifty feet of real stretchy stuff between you and the fish. Also means that for me, I keep my my drag super tight. Like I I tell folks that you. Like, if their drag is going off on their hook set, things are not right. Right. And and that's the opposite with, with braid. Like, I definitely want to hear drags going off with braid when people are setting the hook. But with mono, it should be tight line, no give at all on the drag end. Like, you have give plenty of other places you don't want it to happen at the drag. Right. At least on the initial hook set. Once you get it close, maybe. Right. But maybe. you've got a lot of line out there. Right. And, uh, yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be going off when you're setting the hook. I can't wait. I know. I can't wait. That does, like, um, if you do have a big fish on, like, uh, I don't even know how to get into this subject. Because it's a hard thing to dis- to describe or explain to somebody if they're not really familiar with it. It's not that hard. If you're fighting a big fish and you're fishing a mono jigging rod, at least one of mine, that means that at some point you should probably back the drag off when you're fighting the fish. About halfway in. Yep. And as soon as you recognize, like, this is a big fish, which isn't going to necessarily happen on a with a 12-mile-an-hour wind and 50, 60 feet of line out there, you're not going to know if it's 18 inches or 30 inches. <laughs> right. Um, it's going to happen closer. Not until it digs down under the boat. Right. And that's when you need to... 
It's a good time. It is a good time. That's a good time to adjust. But it, until you are like comfortable doing that, which if you're not at this point, you should just practice as soon as you can this spring, having a real tight drag and backing it off while you're fighting a fish. It's not like a complicated thing. You just have to do the righty-tighty-lefty-loosey thing backwards. You know, because it's facing the other direction. You have to turn it to the right. Uh, if to it's loose. if it's a higher pitch, it's more loose. <laughs> if it's a if it's a lower pitch, it's more tight. Is that how you really do it? I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. You can't hear anything. I can hear that. <laughs> I know when it's getting lighter. <laughs> It'll go ding 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 ding. If you're going lighter, it'll go dun 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 dun. If it's getting tighter, if the fish is like peeling drag while you're doing this, if you're spinning that, if you're spinning that drag knob, that is the sound it makes. Are you kidding me? I'm not. I've never Why is this? this? <laughs> yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> and you can like barely hear anything, but I can hear that. It's not about what you know; it's about what you can hear. No, wait. Oh, man. No, screwed that one up. You were flying high in my books until you tried to... Yeah. Keep going. Try again. Nope. <laughs> nope, there ain't nothing there. There was nothing to work with there. I thought there was. We closed the door on that. All right. Fine. So, one thing I'd like to add. So, when I get bit on my jig cadence, especially if I get up higher in my jig stroke where I'm up towards my shoulders when I'm jigging, I don't... I rarely ever do I immediately set the hook. Yeah. I generally give them way too much time. And when you give them time, I never want a slack line. Right? So the whole principle of um, my jig cadence was slack line, slack line, slack line. But when I have a bite and I'm giving it time, I want to come back with the same consistent pressure that I picked it up with. So that generally, well, that has two things. It, it, it relies on boat speed or it, you're, you're reeling it down. And you want to make sure that you are down so your rod is essentially pointing towards your line or somewhere near that so you can change that angle fast enough to drive that hook home. Sure. So... Does that make sense to yep. you? Yeah, I, I feel like you're doing a you're doing a nice job uh, trying to get the visual to folks. It helps like, with the arm motions. Yeah. They can't <laughs> they can't see it. <laughs> but that's a super important factor because if you go slack line when you're bit with a quarter ounce jig, that fish feels that weight. And that may not seem like a lot, but it is substantial when you're talking about a however many ounces a shiner is. I don't know how much a shiner weighs, but maybe I should find out. That's a great qu- question. Um, but you're substantially adding to that weight, and that fish a lot of times will feel the difference. Um, and that'll cause you to get spit. Sure. And I can't have that. we got to catch that prick. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so coming back with the same consistent, steady pressure that you receive that bite with, is very very important. which which I think to like let me see if I can help clarify like you were you were talking about like boat speed or reeling down to them like you've made contact with the fish like right you're watching your rod tip and you can feel like you can feel the fish on your rod tip 
So like if you're drifting with a good wind, you're going to watch that rod tip and feel that fish as you drop it towards the water. Mm-hmm. The whole time feeling the fish as you drop Waiting it towards the water. Waiting for that secondary bite. Yeah. Anything. And then when you get to like where you want to set the hook, that's when you do that. The other option is if you're pitching or if you don't have enough wind, same concept. Your rod tip is high. You've got contact with the fish. You're going to realign it and like continue to have contact with the fish until you get your rod tip down to where you want to. Just manually hook. doing it. Right. That wasn't clear at all. What I said or what you yeah, said? Yeah, you were trying to clear things up, clarify things. That wasn't clear at all. What I said? I'm just kidding. That's great. <laughs> that was I did. Gold. I did hand motions too. It was gold. I think also what you would want to avoid is whipping, like a whipping hook set, right? Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't want to have slack in your line Oh no! and whip the hook set. That's the first thing I say is, oh no, <laughs> don't do that. The whole idea, I mean, where you make up for mono's downsides is by moving your rod probably seven, seven or eight feet with a jig stroke if you've got... You know, if you're drifting and you're and you've got a lot of line out there, um, you're gonna move that rod a lot with your with your not with your jig stroke, excuse me, with your hook set. Yes, huge hook sets. I used to have huge hook sets, mm-hmm. but now I switched rods, and now I've got a shorter, compact, stronger hook set. Very efficient. Sure. Smart. It's like, uh, yeah. All right. Dan, it was her birthday this week. Yeah. Did you get anything special? Uh, Other than that coupon book? <laughs> I got a very practical gift from my friend Will. Got a bag of jigs and some Pearson salted nut rolls. Oh my goodness. Which hopefully, just someday, that's when we'll know Will made it. When While I Talk is brought to you in part by Pearson salted nut rolls. Yeah. Yep. Man. And I'm going to build my kid a fort with those boxes of, like, the empty boxes. Excellent. And then uh, my wife got me a nice pair of Vortex binoculars, which would also be Very nice. nice. <laughs> yeah, those have, been, those have been great. While I was watching your kid last week, we saw a wolf. <gasps> I had her laying in the yard. His bait. Covered in ketchup. Mm-hmm. And then I was watching her through the binoculars, and a wolf came in. She liked the ketchup, though, right? <laughs> Lots of sugar in that. Um, I got a story for you, Dan. All right, let's hear it. So I had, a, I had a bad day last week. You know, it's very rare for a person like me to have a bad day, but I had a bad day. Mm-hmm. And I was gonna, I was really gonna make things better, right? You know how I talked to you that day. Yes. Before the story. Before and immediately after. (laughs) Within seconds. (laughs) Immediately after. So I know the story. Yes. So I was going to really turn my day around. I was swinging for the fences. You know, there's a very very popular guy who's on the YouTube. Mm -hmm. Right? We like, I mean... I mean, I, I think he's popular because I mentioned him in this podcast a couple weeks ago. And I've I mentioned that's... him in the podcast last year. Right. And you had mentioned him in the podcast last year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was like, I was going to see if I couldn't get this fella on. So I Google Tom Bowley fishing guide, right? Boom. Tom Bowley pops right up. I was like, this is sick. <laughs> All right. So I click the old call button. Starts calling some Wisconsin number. You're cold calling Tom Bowley. Cold calling the heck out of him. 
I'm like, man, I'm going to try this. What the heck? What am I going to lose, right? The, guy, the worst thing this guy's going to do is hang up on me, right? So I give this guy a call. And it starts ringing, and I hear a... I hear a... Or he says, hello. I'm like, hi, is this Tom? He's like, yeah. I'm like, hi, my name is Will. I'm a fishing guide in Leech Lake area, and... I also, uh, I also am a host of a podcast while I talk with Will and you. And I got to about the podcast part. And the sucker hung up on me. I was like, well, this is worst case Ontario. So, uh, yeah, then, then I immediately got on the phone with Dan. I was like, get a load of this guy. Like, he just hung up on me. So, yeah, that, that was my... Uh, I guess that was my story. That was the end of it. Right. It was a I, short story. It's a good story. I think there's a lot to pull out of it. You, we got to be careful. I mentioned during our initial conversation that I'm Irish and we're, we're clans people, right? And like, you're in my clan. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, my opinion or my initial feeling was, like, just the color red. Like, I just... <laughs> myself. And it's less about... Being on the podcast, and more about just being a decent human being, right? Man, you don't just hang up on a guy, especially a nice guy. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I've worked very hard for, like, my entire life to make sure I haven't made anyone mad, to make sure everyone thinks I'm a pretty nice guy. Right. Just for that garbage. Yeah. Yep, so we gotta, like, include the X factors, right? We don't know what Mr. Bowley was going through during that day. Right, he was getting into his vehicle. I heard his door ding. So there are some, like, we don't knows. Right. But if you were ever to just call me anybody, I can guarantee you that I will not hang up on you. What's the worst case scenario, Dan? Hey, can I call you back in three minutes? Right. Or listen to the ask. And be yeah. like, you know what? I just, I got too much going on. And the answer is going to be, that's okay. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time. Thanks to for hearing me out. Right. It's not, I wasn't asking you about your extended warranty <laughs> on your vehicle. Right. I started out with a pretty good hook. And, and also to clarify, oh, we should, we'll, we'll wrap it up after this. But like, you're a, you're a, you are a colleague, right? You're mm-hmm. in the same profession. Right. Same profession. There's a certain sort of professional courtesy you should should offer towards people who do the same thing as you. I mean, I would. You're getting heated, Dan, and this didn't even happen to you. But you know, on the bright side of things, I got to talk to Tom Bowling the other day. <laughs> How about you? All right, we have one more segment we got to cover. Let's take Ooh. a quick break, and then we'll introduce. Walleye Groundhog Day. I love it. I love Bill Murray. I do too. Um, that's not the movie is not the reason I thought of it. Shut up! Yes, it is. I related it to the movie, but it didn't start with Groundhog Day, and then I thought of the idea. Did it I start with the idea? Six bush lights. <laughs> Most good ideas. <laughs> so the Walleye Groundhog Day. I'm going to try to make this clear and concise. And just keep in mind that, like, we're coming off a pretty long off-season. And, like, right now all I think about is walleye fishing. And sometimes things are a little goofy. So here's what I was thinking about. 
I was thinking, and I actually thought about it as like an afterlife, right? Like what happens when you're when when you move on, and the idea of like just pure bliss doesn't even really appeal to me that much. Really, I'd like, I like the, I like to just, I like the life we live right now. If we could just sign up again, that would be great. So the thought that came to mind was that each morning you wake up in the afterlife, and it your your alarm clock goes off at. 6 a.m. or 5 a.m., whatever, and you have, you you check your email, right? Mm-hmm. You check your email, and there's an email from uh, God. It's like, hey, Will. Uh, What's up, God? <laughs> it's not instant message. It's, this oh. is an email. Sorry, bro. <laughs> hey, Will. Hey. Uh, <laughs> your, your day, which is June 3rd. Oh, <gasps> ooh comes with a task. And the task is that you have to catch 18 walleyes today mm-hmm. before 7 o'clock at night. Decent. If you catch 18 walleyes today by 7 o'clock, tomorrow's going to be a brand new day. If you don't, when you wake up tomorrow morning, it's going to be June 3rd, you're going to be living through the exact same day, and you're going to have to catch 18 walleyes. Well, what's so bad about that? Nothing. I'm just telling you that's what'll happen. If you are to catch 18 walleyes today, when you wake up tomorrow morning, it'll be another day of the open water season, and you'll have a new challenge ahead of you. So, like, I can jump from June 3rd to July 4th. Oh, yeah. Just by crushing them. Which I'm going to crush them on June 3rd. Yeah, that's why we started with the nice one, right? Well, that's... That's a double entendre. (laughs) Did I use that word right? I don't know. I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, that was so. a double entendre I don't think for so. sure. Double-edged sword, I think, is oh, what you're maybe stupid. going for. So the idea is that you're going to be stuck in this one day until you catch X amount of walleyes. The number's going to change as well. Well, that's fine. Okay. Day-to-day, things could be great. And we'll get into like what that looks like with each scenario. So, I've got a plan. All right. June 3rd, got to catch 18 walleyes between... S- Six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock at night. Just Super. you, just you. You That's can have somebody with you, but the clicker only counts with It's about your walleyes. So I'm going to start out out of the federal dam. It's well, June third. June third. Yeah. And I'm gonna catch. I don't know. You gotta start because you're reading this in your pajamas. Oh, it's is early morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to have a cup of coffee as I check my emails. <laughs> you know, check out, see how the twins did. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm going to see what we're going to go fishing. They lost 13 to 12 a day. In no, they didn't. Yeah. That's embarrassing. It is. Anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go out of Federal Dam, right? Okay. And I'm going to go fish some of the old favorites, right? And I'm going to whale on them, <laughs> okay? But I'm going to stop at like 15 fish, 17 fish, whatever. I'm going to stop early because I've got another plan for tomorrow. Sure. I'm going to wake up on June 3rd. I'm going to go out of Battle Point Access. <laughs> and I'm going to catch 17 there. And I'm not going to quit until I hit every public water access oh, wow. on Leech Lake. I like because it. Because it's June freaking 3rd. Sure. And I'm here to mess stuff up. Right. Right. And I'm going to catch them. I'm just going to catch them on a jig and a minnow mm-hmm. or a jig and a plastic, whatever. And then, you know, once I, once I finally get all the public water accesses, 
Then I'll catch my 18. And I'll go out of Pikedale. Just to, for to the cap love. it off. Yeah, for the love, right? Do you think any of those days are going to be days where you couldn't get there? Yes. Walker Bay accesses. Sure. You know, I, I'd, be, I'd be able to do it out of Stony. I'd be able to catch him out of Stony. I'd be able to catch him out of uh, Sucker Bay. I would not be able to catch him out of, out of Walker Bay. But with, I, with the idea that you would be trying to stay somewhat, because you got you got to, I got to stay close. I got to stay local. Right. You can't just drive across the lake. What's the point of that? Might sure. as well launch close. Sure. But I'm gonna really struggle out of Walker Bay. But I'm gonna get good at it. I know that's. And what... I'm gonna learn so much. It's probably gonna take me seven days to be able to catch eighteen fish in a full day. Out of out of, out of Walker, Walker Bay. Bay. Sure. But I'm gonna do it. And those would be seven pretty great days. Yes. Frustrating, maybe. For a little bit, the sure. first couple days. Sure. And I'm not just going to go into Shingabi Bay and fish the rice. Because <laughs> that's only good for two fish. <laughs> right? I'm going to go try and figure something out. And it's going to be super beneficial for the rest of this afterlife. And then I'm going to, you know, once I figure that out, I'm going to be like, oh, it's time to come home. And then I'll go fish out of Pikedale. I'll have a wonderful day fishing the south tip of Bear. Maybe go up. Maybe I'll maybe I'll venture out to Pelican Island. Sure. If it's rough enough, that's where I want to end it. <laughs> that's where I want to end my June third is on Pelican. I'll go out there, and maybe I'll catch my last ten out there. Sure. That sounds great. That dude. sounds really great. And then you know, it's bittersweet because I know I'm not going to have this experience again, but I'm very happy I was able to do it. It's nice to get that one. That's a very insightful way to uh, view day one of this scenario. Cause it, I would be kind of panicky. I'd be, be like, panic. mission, God, I will accomplish the mission, right? But but you had some foresight because June third could be followed by any day in the open yeah. water season, including it's gonna be August eighth on Leech Lake. Right, you got to catch eight of them. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Way to really enjoy it. Way to embrace the the situation you're in and really make the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. Wall it was my it was my pleasure, Dan. <laughs> I had a good time. Oh, going to Federal was fun too. Oh the birds weren't diving, but that's okay. They were still in less than six feet of water. It was all pitching. I just focused on my pitch game. We'll call it the short game. It was a good time. Do you want me to come up with one for you? No, or I you think want it to be good. next week. I think we do next week. Okay. This is way better than the pitch editor. Oh, people like that too. This has the same components, though, and we'll, we can we can I'm just we can make a lot out of this, right? I'm gonna so we can I'm gonna go into the wind with my big motor because it's gonna be rough every day. <laughs> I'm just all I'm gonna do, and then we'll just I'll pitch it as I'm going into the wind. It'll be a good time. <laughs> It'll be a very good time. All right, let's wrap her up. This is Walleye Talk. I'm Dan. I'm Will. Four more weeks, folks. Whew.